Thank you, Miss Dottie. Appreciate you so much. Well, how are we doing today, church? Fantastic. All right. Well, we are in this series on the Sermon on the Mount, trekking our way through Matthew. Uh, this is part 12. The title of today's message is called The Power of Persistent Prayer. Amen. And uh, But lo- knowing, you might say amen kind of quickly, knowing how to persist in prayer is not something we're really good at. It. Uh, that's probably where we can get an amen at. Uh, because persisting in prayer sometimes proves a lot more difficult, right? And, uh, and really sticking through it. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, we, we kind of have a naive view of prayer. And as we've been going through this series on the Sermon on the Mount, it's helping us see, it's condensed in Matthew 5 through 7, some of Jesus' most well-known teachings, right? But he's showing us what does the life of a Christian look like? What is it characterized by? What is it marked by? What are the marching orders? And really, throughout this whole, the the focus of the Sermon on the Mount is that this is kingdom living. There is a king, right? And a king has a kingdom, and kingdoms have a way about them, a way of operating, a a way how the the kingdom people live and act. And so it starts with the Beatitudes, and blessed are the poor in spirit, and the meek, and the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then it goes into, man, giving. Uh, we, we already dealt with a little bit of prayer uh, a few weeks ago in Matthew chapter 6, and that was really the basics of prayer. We went through what many people would call the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be, be thy name, that sort of stuff. And, and what he says is when you pray, you're not doing it for show, right? Because prayer, stay with me now, is, is not just a ritual, but it's more of a relationship, amen? Prayer is not just a ceremony that you do to, uh, to jump through some hoops or to impress other people but it's a conversation with our heavenly father. And so we looked at the model prayer there. And so that's the basics of it, right? And now he's, he's telling us, how do we persist in prayer? And I don't know if you ever saw that movie, uh, Patch Adams. And if you haven't, it's a movie about some, some doctors and, um, and, and med school students who have this idea that healthcare needs to be reformed, right? What a novel idea. And, and they want to treat the down and out, the broken, the disenfranchised, and those who, who are not able to get treatment. And so they start this little clinic, and man, they're just passionate about helping people regardless of the cost, and, and they just seek to help people. Well, if you saw the movie, um, what happens is Patch Adams, uh, played by Robin Williams, his, his wife, fiance, girlfriend, uh, dies at the hands of one of the people they've been trying to help. And it's this heartbreaking moment of, man, I've, we've been trying to do this. We, we believe in doing this. And, 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 man, now our dreams are crushed. And there's a scene kind of towards the end of the movie where Patch Adams stands at the top of uh, a cliff. And it's a beautiful scene uh, because he has this argument with God. How many of you know it's okay to take your struggles, your doubts, your frustrations to God? It's way better than bottling them down and not dealing with those things. And so he takes it to God, and he has this conversation with them. And, and this is what he, what he says I want to share with you. He says, so what now, huh? What do you want from me? He steps a little closer to the edge of the cliff. Yeah, I could do it. I could do it. So answer me, please. Tell me what you're doing. Okay, let's look at the logic, God. You create man. Then man suffers enormous amounts of pain. And then he dies. 
huh, maybe you should have a few more brainstorming sessions prior to creation. You rested on the seventh day. Maybe you should have spent that day on compassion. And it's this wrestling with God, and God answers him in the movie, you know, sort of through a, a butterfly. Um, and, and there's this wrestling going on. And I don't know about you, but I've had some prayers. I've had some things happen in my life that the enemy has used to get me to doubt God, to get me to be frustrated with God. I've, I've prayed. I remember when my grandfather was, was uh, sick with cancer. He had colon cancer. And, uh, and I remember, and I didn't know a whole lot about God, I didn't know a whole lot about church or Christianity, but I kind of had this idea that, that there was this God in heaven, if you prayed to him, he, he would do things for you. So I prayed. Well, you know what happened? My grandpa died. And I had that same kind of feeling inside of me, like, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? What is going on? I don't know if you ever experienced that kind of situation where you felt like your prayers bounced off the ceiling and didn't go anywhere. And here's how, how does that happen? How do, we, how do we balance that with a passage like this where Jesus is saying, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock, and the door will be open to you. It's like, how do those things coexist at the same time? And here's what I've learned over time, and many of you have learned this probably long before I did. Patch Adams and my little uh, adolescent view of God, there's a God, he's all-powerful, I ask him for things, he gives them to me. That's a really naive kind of view, right? It doesn't take into account everything that is going on in our world, right? That's, that's like going to the gym one time, right? It's like going to the gym one time thinking you're going to walk out looking kind of like me. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you just think like, you know, you're just, just going to go in there and pump a few weights, get on the treadmill a little bit, and all of a sudden you're going to drop 30 pounds. Doesn't work. It's like being on a diet for one day. Doesn't work. That's like folks about to get married, right? And they say, all we need is, right? And you're thinking, no, you need a whole lot more than that. That's a naive view. And the same thing is true when it comes to prayer. And it's like, okay, well, I prayed. God, you're all powerful. You should have answered. And so I'm upset with you, and I'm bitter, and I'm angry that you didn't do what I wanted. That's a naive view of, of the world and how things actually work. And what I believe God wants us to do, and we hold those assumptions sometimes, A plus B should equal C, as if God were a big cosmic slot machine. Or as I read uh, the, the other day, uh, that God or Jesus might be like the ice cream truck, right? Just coming around the neighborhood, just bringing whatever you want. And, uh, and that's not true. And there's a lot of things happening in our world that we need to understand. And so let's dive in this morning and, and take a look at what God has for us. Because if prayer is this powerful force, if prayer is this ability to move mountains, if prayer is something that can, that can change uh, lives and bring healing, why aren't we seeing prayers answered? What, what is at work here? And so we're going to talk about how to be persistent at prayer. And point number one, you can write this down, is, is this. Number one is request and keep requesting. Request, make a request, ask and keep Asking, that's what we read, right? Request and keep requesting. In the very first verse, request and keep requesting. Look what he says in the very first verse, verse 7. 
we see at least three invitations. God is giving us an invitation. Like, get an invitation in the mail. Come to do this. And this is what God says to us. Three invitations. Why would God give us these? That's the question. Ask. That's the first invitation. He's telling us to ask, right? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will what? Find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Three invitations. He's, he's asking us to persist in. He's asking us to, to come to him. So this is the first thing, is that he tells us to ask and then keep asking. So let's remove being naive, right? And let's look at a couple of assumptions we really need to remind ourselves of in this situation. Number one is this. It won't be on the screen, but you can just put it in your mind. Is this is that God is absolutely committed to growing you and I up, to maturing us. Did you know that? God is absolutely committed to growing us up, to maturing us. And how does God do that? The brokenness of sin in this world and the pains and the trials we go through are the things that mature us. Amen? You wouldn't be the mature person you are today if you hadn't gone through some trials and some storms. You had to walk through those things, and when you walk with, with God in those, you find the growth takes place. It's just like going back to the gym or a trainer, right? He's going to push you. The gym is going to push you. If you want to lose weight, if you want to gain muscle, somebody's got to push you. Somebody's got to stretch you, right? And when it stretches, ah, it hurts. We were praying before the service, and I appreciate our, our prayer time there before the service, before many folks even get here. And uh, Brother Dan one of our men was talking about his knee and being in physical therapy. And, man, he, and, and Dan's not a person that ever says anything hurts. And, um, but, man, he was saying, that stuff hurt. I get frustrated. You get frustrated when you go to physical therapy, right? And I know we got some people that work in that field here, right? They're like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I love you, right? And um, the reason we get frustrated, if we have a naive view, we think, I should just be able to get back up and play tennis, even though my tendons then all wrapped around something else and stretched. I mean, this, why do I have to keep doing this for months? I mean, why do I have to keep going through this to get hip surgery, right? And you got to practice walking. I know they've sped that up like crazy, amen? And, um, but, I mean, it's still a process of physical therapy you got to go through. And it's like you could get frustrated and be like, the doctor didn't do his job. I should just be able to get up out of the bed, and, and i got a new hip, and I'll just walk on around and be like, I'm good. No, you know that what happens? There's a process of rebuilding, and the same thing is true with us. And so sometimes we're not hearing answers to prayer. We're still persisting because God is committed to growing us up. And God loves our prayers. And so he loves our little baby and mature prayers. He loves our mature prayers that, that come afterwards and our continual asking for things. Think about a father, right? What father? You know, we got some little babies in here, little Elias up front, Kelsey in the back, right? They're, they're walking around. And, and parents, you just love when they're just like learning to take those steps, right? You just, you just eat them up, right? They're walking. Oh, my gosh. It's so cute. I love it. You love that, right? And that's exactly what they should be doing at this stage, right? But how many of you as parents would be content to kind of leave them in that if they're doing that when they're 15? It's not acceptable, right? What, and what, what do good parents do, right? You're, you're, you're holding their hand a little bit, and then you back away, and you're like, come on, come to me. You know? And they're like, I don't know if I can take that step. You know? And they're like, you know, and it, 
God is not content to leave us in the situation that we are in. He is committed to our maturity. He wants us to be full-grown men and women who take steps of, of manhood and steps of womanhood in, in our spiritual and emotional lives. And so sometimes he's asking us to request and keep requesting because that is the process when we go through something that he's maturing us. So that's the first assumption we need to have in our mind is that God is committed to growing us up. The second assumption is that we find ourselves in the middle of a war zone, people. I don't know if you've noticed that. A couple of years ago when ISIS was a humongous threat and they were beheading people on TV. Do you remember that? Do I need to remind you of that? Beheading people, beheading children and families. I'm not talking about a movie, folks. I'm talking about real people. And I know it's easy to be like, that's so far over there. May I remind you, we have the same level of evil happening here in all sorts of ways. Some of it undercover that we never see. Some of it in full view of all the media. Two mass shootings, one here at our, in our own city. Do you, do you need to know, do I need to remind you the wickedness and the evil that's going on? And so we find ourselves with a clash of kingdoms. Jesus came at his birth, and if you read in the book of, of Revelation at the end of the Bible, there's a different birth story. Are you familiar with that different birth story? Where it talks about the dragon attacking a woman. I know it's like weird language sometimes. Some of you are like, I'm staying away from Revelation. It's a little too creepy for me. And then some of you are like, I love Revelation. The bowls and this, the horns and the dragons. I know what all of it means, Pastor. And, uh, and that's great. And praise God. But listen. In the book of Revelation, it talks about that, the, that this mother was giving birth and this dragon came against them. And, and it said he came to wage war. Why? Because his kingdom was at risk. Because Jesus came and invaded the earth. And now he's raising up his people to take back the kingdom that we gave away with Adam and Eve. Because you remember with Adam and Eve, he said, here you have dominion. Go be fruitful and multiply. He gave us dominion over the earth. And what happened is when we ate that fruit, we gave that dominion to Satan. And we traded our authority. And we've been losing ever since. But now since Christ has come, amen, he's given us the authority back. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That authority piece is there. And so we need to remember that, man, this is a war zone. And so sometimes when we're praying for things, there's a battle going on you and I can't see. And so it's not like, oh, let's just pray once and, and, and God, it should be over and done with. No, God has called us. Ask. And if you don't get the answer, seek. Seek me. If you don't seek, knock and keep knocking. And so we need to request these things. There's a great story from a guy named Elijah. I love this story. And it's found in 1 Kings 18. And there's been a drought in the land, a three-year drought. I mean, massive drought. Whole herds of cattle are dying. Cities are suffering. People are starving to death. And in 1 Kings 8, God gives an answer. It says, 1 Kings 18, excuse me, it says, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, that's the king, and I will send rain upon the earth. Check that out. Who will send rain upon the earth? God. Reach over, touch your neighbor, and tell him God's got to do it. 
There's no human being that can make it rain, right? You can do your rain dance all you'd like, and you'd just be dancing, and that'd be wonderful. And um, no human being that can make it rain. I know we can do all our technology. We can try to see clouds and all that sort of stuff, but, I mean, you know, that stuff even fails. Later on, there's all kinds of drama at the end of the chapter. Here's what happens. Verse 42 says this. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. What is he doing, folks? He's praying. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there's rain. It worked. He said, there is nothing. There's nothing. Wait a second. This is the man of God, Elijah. He just called down fire. If you're familiar with that Bible story earlier, he called down fire from heaven, burned up this whole thing, showed all the fake prophets that God was real and true. And now this man of God prays, and he gets nothing. Wait, 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 wait. Remember the beginning of the chapter, God said, go tell Ahab, I will send rain. So he's got a promise from God. He's seen God's action, and now thirdly, he prays and gets nothing. See, folks, let's not be naive. God has called us to persist in prayer. So what does he say? The next verse, there is nothing. He said, go again. One more time. Two more times. No, seven times. You know what? You know what I'd have done? You know what a lot of us would have done? We'd have went five or six times, and then we'd have walked on down to Starbucks and went and had a little pity party and been complaining about the, the dark night of the soul where God has not answered my prayers, right? And, oh, woe is me, and, and God is not hearing me, and I'm just, oh, right? We'd have tweeted and called up all our friends and just, you know, that's what we'd have done. Not Elijah, right? Elijah keeps going. Next verse, after seven times, right? After seven times. And at the seventh time, verse 44, behold, a little cloud, like a man's hand rising from the sea. Now, most of us at this point, let's be honest, would have been like, oh, God hasn't answered me now. A little cloud don't mean nothing. That's probably just a little, little, little teeny little puff way out there. Probably won't happen. Would Elijah believe, though? Look at the rest of the verse. It shows you what Elijah truly believed. Elijah had his ups and downs times. He had a little pity party earlier in the chapter, okay? And he's, he, he, he'll, have, or he'll have a pity party next chapter, all right? But he says this. And he says, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down the mountain, lest the rain stop you. And then it says, in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. I mean, it deluged. Here's the point I'm trying to make, folks. We've got a persistent. We've got a request and keep requesting. And here's the other thing. Stay with me now. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, says this. Without God, we cannot. You with me? Who caused the rain? It was God. Without God, we cannot. We can't do anything. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing, is what the Gospel of John says. Without God, we cannot. But watch this. This is crazy. But without us, he often will not. 
Think about that for a second. Without us, God doesn't need us. Don't misunderstand me. But he desires and chooses to use us. Go back to Elijah. God said at the beginning of the chapter, I will send rain. Why did Elijah have to pray? Why did Elijah have to pray seven times? Because God loves to use us in his work. It's an incredible thing. Often throughout the Bible, they're, they're told to, to, when they pray over folks, and you see Jesus doing the fact the book of James would say, when someone is, 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 is seriously sick, it says, gather the elders of the church and go and lay hands on them. Why would we lay hands on them? Nothing powerful in my hands, the other elders' hands. You know what I believe it is? I believe it's, it's a physical representation for us to realize we are a conduit. God loves to use us. He doesn't have to. But, man, he wants to work through us. Without God, we cannot. So they know, I, okay, we're not going around here like Benny Hinn and people like, pyaw, pyaw, you know, and just falling out, okay? No, it's a humble, man, God would choose to use your prayers, yes, to bring healing, yes, to bring salvation, yes, to bring restoration to a marriage, yes, to heal our city and our nation, yes, to, to, to bring fruit to a barren womb, yes, to get rid of cancer. And God would have us. By laying on our hands, no power in us, but he just wants and desires to use us. He's a great and kind and generous God. I love what my friend Pastor Nate from the Journey Church says. You know, we talk about Matthew 28, the Great Commission. He likes to call it the Great Co-Mission. Whose mission is it? It's God's mission, but he calls us to be co-laborers. It's a co-mission. We're in it together with them, and so we need to request and keep requesting. Point number two is this. Realize that God loves to give you good things. I think there was an old uh, preschool song, one of our academy teachers, Miss Harris. Uh, I remember that probably from when my kid, it was, it was during uh, one of our vacation Bible schools, uh, summer, you know, and, um, and, and the little kids had different songs than the big kids, but my kids used to go around singing this. It was like little jazz. It was like, good things, good things. Jesus gives good things. And my little kids were just doing this little, you know, little shake, little shimmy and shake. And it was just good things, good things. I don't know. If Miss Harris was here, she'd do way better. And um, uh, so, as I say, Pastor, don't quit your day job. Realize God loves, loves to give you good things. So we had three invitations. Ask, seek, knock. Now we have seven promises in just a short little couple verses, seven promises. Check them out. Watch this. Read with me. Verses seven. Ask and what? It will. It will be given. It will be given. That's a promise. Seek and you what? Will find. Knock and it will be open to you. That's three promises right there. And then because, you know what? We as humans, we're a little thick-headed. I'm a little slow sometimes. God likes to repeat things. Aren't you glad? He does. I'm glad too. Verse 8. For everyone who asks, what? Receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it, what? Will be opened. That's six promises. And then there's a seventh one. Look at verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, notice what he also gave us, who is in heaven, give you what kind of things? Good things, 
good things. Right? It'll be in your head. I'm just going to keep saying it in my poor little non-tune-carrying voice. Okay? Good things to those who, what? Ask. Now, wait, Pastor, I thought you said God's not like a slot machine. He's not like the ice cream show. You just don't get what you want. Yeah, again, when you look back at Matthew 6, the, the prayer is, Father, your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I'm praying for your will. And when you align yourself with God's will, yes, absolutely. Well, Pastor, how do I know if I've aligned myself with God's will? Man, you walk in holiness and righteousness. And when you start praying for things, you know that you can trust God. One pastor said it this way, and, uh, and I would add a little bit to it. He says, if your request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. <laughs> but if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. You with me? If the request is wrong, God says no, you're, it's not something that you need. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. The request is right. The timing is right. You are right. God says go, and it will be done. And we take into consideration all this happening in our world and knowing and trusting that God loves according to his word to give us good things. How much more will your Father in heaven give us good things? Then thirdly, so point number one is this, is request and keep requesting. Point number two is realize God loves to give you Good things, good things. Jesus gives good things. It's, it's coming to you. Y'all going to be dancing in a second. Number three, remember. Remember that God is available no, no matter how far away you are. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, God is close. Look again back at the same couple of verses here. And, and, and what we're saying here is remember that God is available. He's available and he's near you as you're persisting in prayer, no matter where you are, how far away you are. Look at verse seven. Again, he says, ask. Now think about this for a second. If you're a child and, and there's a father or a parent, right? Mom, this is how it happens. Happened last night, 4 a.m. Dad, says my one and only son, screaming my name at 4 a.m. And I have to get up and, and go to him. And uh, I'm scared. Can I come in your bed? Yes. Sometimes, though, like what happened the other day, they screamed out. I was in the bathroom. So they screamed out, Dad, Dad. They asked, right? They asked. They didn't get an answer. So what did they need to do? They need to go to the next step, right? Seek. I got to find out. I am not near my father. I have walked away. I have wandered. I am in a place where I'm not sure I'm supposed to be. So now I've got to do what? I've got to seek. And then I think I found him. I think he's in the bathroom. I'm not saying God's in the bathroom, y'all. Don't, don't take the analogy uh, to the nth degree. But what he's saying is, God is available no matter how far away you are. Knock, and it will be open. Seek. You, you take it to the next level when you're not getting an answer. You keep persisting in prayer. And so it doesn't matter who you are if you're a child of God, because that is the context that he's talking about, because he says, 
what father, if a son, or translation also, if a daughter asks, would he, would he not give him? How much more would the father give good things? And we're evil, and we'll get to that in a second. But he's saying, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, God is ready to hear you and to receive you. Man, I love that. Sometimes children, they don't feel like they can come to us, right? Right? They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. They, they don't. They think they're going to get in trouble. And when you feel that shame, you don't want to go talk to your parents about it. Sometimes when we mess up, you're thinking, I don't want to go to God right now. Why? Because I just had a fight with my spouse and God won't hear me right now. No, God loves to hear you right now. He's going to call you and challenge you to repent and get your relationship with your spouse right. But the first step is getting right with him. Amen. How many of you know that? That's where you got to be right first. Some of you feel like I can't come into God's presence. I've done so much wrong this week. I know God's so disappointed in me. No, God loves. He's telling you, ask, seek, knock. I don't have enough faith. I don't have a faith big enough. I can't do that. All children are welcome, right? All the rebel children who have stiff-armed God, he says, turn and come to me. And so remember, that's point number three, that God is available no matter how far you are. And then fourthly is this, remind yourself that God is a perfect father. Amen? Because it's really all about him. Remind yourself that God is a perfect father. I love the analogies that Jesus used. I love his language. I love that he keeps it simple for us, that he keeps it basic for us. Remind yourself that God is a perfect father. There is no evil in God. There is no wrongdoing in God. His character is perfect. He has not made a mistake, nor will he ever make a mistake. Amen? Look at verses 9 through 11. This is crazy, isn't it? You laugh when we read it, right? Or which of you, I love the story, or which of you, if his son, there's the word there, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. Right? That, that's ludicrous. Some of the ladies are saying, have you met my husband? Husbands and dads kind of love to mess with kids, don't we? Like that's our spiritual gift. Right? We, we love to kind of mess with them and, and do things. So you're saying, no, but honestly, right, this, this is like birthday gift. And you're like, no, you should see what my husband gave my kids for their birthday, right? No, no. a good gift. And, and what he's saying here is, is oftentimes uh, when they bake their bread, there were some stones there in, in Palestine and in Jerusalem area that looked kind of like a little round loaf of bread, like you see those little round ones. And, um, and so he's saying here, God will not give you the, the wrong thing. God, God, God's not a fool. He knows exactly what you know. He's not going to be like, oh, I thought this. I thought this stone was a piece of bread. I don't know how I made that mistake. He's perfect, y'all. He is running the universe still to this day. Every morning you wake up, the sun still comes up. You still put your feet on solid ground. Every time that happens, it's a reminder he's still in charge. If he was not in charge, this planet would fly off its axis in a heartbeat, folks. We're suspended in the middle of the galaxy, in case you didn't remember that. And we're flying through it while rotating on the right axis. All right. When the world, when gravity just fails and we start flying and falling through the galaxy, then you can be like, all right, okay, maybe God made a mistake. He doesn't make mistakes. So that's the first one. He won't give us the wrong thing, right? Well, if he 
If he asks them for bread, he won't give them a stone, right? You never fed your kids rocks, maybe some pop rocks or something, right? But those are good, and kids like those. But this is ludicrous, right? He's helping us see this. And then I love the next one. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a what? A serpent. That's not going to happen. He's not going to give us something that's harmful to us. Which, again, is a reminder why sometimes, why sometimes God does say no. Some of y'all need to be grateful that in ninth and 10th and 11th grade, God said no to you dating that boy. Because if you'd have married that joker now, you're, you're grateful, right? And I know he broke your heart in ninth grade, but you can praise God right now, right? Because it, the, the heartbreak in ninth grade is way better than the heartache of, of 30 years of heartbreak and, and, and craziness. God oftentimes says no to us. He's not going to give us something that's harmful. Then notice this, verse 11. He says, if you then who are what? Evil. Go ahead and touch your neighbor. Go ahead and tell him you're evil. <laughs> You're like, what? Should, should I do that? Then just be like, Jesus said it. I didn't say it about you. I love you. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth, folks. That's the truth of a human heart. There is sin lurking in every human heart. And notice who said this. This was Jesus who said this. He said, if, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts, right, to your children, how much, what, more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And so Jesus is, is very keenly aware there are not perfect fathers, amen? He's aware of the fact there are, there are awful fathers out there. He's aware of the fact there are absent fathers out there. He's aware of the fact that there's everything in between all of those. And he still says, if your human father still gave you good things, how much more will your heavenly father do this? Heavenly father is infinitely better. Picture your father. And, and I had a, a good dad. I'm grateful for, for my dad. And he gave me many, many good gifts. Whatever the situation was with you, take the picture of your father and then just explode it infinitely. Because even in the case where I had a good father that, that, that gave me good gifts, and yeah, we had some times, as father and son do, I still know that, that he loved me. And that love doesn't, it, it pales in comparison to my heavenly father. Do you know what I mean? And so whatever view of your father, take that and explode it. Because we have a perfect father. And so here's really the question. For a lot of us as we close, sir, ma'am, is he your heavenly father? Are you a child of God? Do you know that for sure? Well, yeah, I'm a child of God. I'm a member of a church. Being a member of a church doesn't make you a child of God. Okay? Well, I've, I was, I've been going to church ever since I was a baby. Of course I'm a child of God. Going to church doesn't make you a child of God. What makes you a child of God is when you realize you have sinned against your heavenly father you have stiff-armed him and you turn from those sins the bible calls that word repent and then you begin to trust and believe in him you do that you turn you say god i'm coming home to you and you start a personal relationship with jesus christ not religion not church membership not not just 
you know, reading the Bible and throwing in some prayers and giving an offering, but a relationship with your Father. Just like you know and can call upon family members. You can call them up on the phone and talk to them. That's a relationship. God is seeking the same thing with each one of us. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ personally, you may have religion, but you don't have relationship. And we'd invite you to know him. In fact, it's not us necessarily inviting you, although we are. It's been God, your father, who's been seeking you your entire life. And he's inviting you into a relationship. And he's saying, come, be my child. Yes, I know you've rebelled. I know what you've done. And I'm still saying, come back. Come home to me. And let me love you. Let me show you what a good and perfect father. Let me correct your view. Because maybe you've been like Patch Adams and you've been like, you know what? God didn't answer my prayers and I was bitter and I'm angry at him. Let him correct your lenses. Come to know him personally. We'd love to help you with that here at the end of the service. And for those of us who are believers, can I ask you this? How is your prayer life? Do you persist? Do you ask? And if you don't get an answer, do you seek? And if you still don't get an answer, do you knock? Do you realize that your prayers have power? I want you to think about this. How can our prayers change our families? Think about that for a second. God wants to give good things to your family, and he wants to use you to do it, just like Elijah. In fact, there's a, a passage in the book of James that talks about when, when, when Elijah prayed for rain, and then the next part of the verse says this. It says, and Elijah, because we're like, oh, that was Elijah. He's Old Testament. He's a man of God. He's probably, you know, so holy and righteous. He's all this stuff. The verse says this, and Elijah was a man just like us. The point is God wants to use every one of you, old, young, lots of skills, no skills. Your prayers could, could bring rain in people's lives, rain of his spirit, rain of God's blessing, rain of his salvation, rain of his healing in drought-infested areas. How could your prayers, if you persist, change your family? How would that change your neighborhood? How would that change your school, young people? How would that change our, our city? How would that change our nation? Could you imagine if we really believed in prayer? I heard the story about uh, a strip club that came to a small town, and um, and the church was all upset, you know, because it was a small town, so they know everything that's going on. That man, you can't have the strip club here, and uh, and so they said, let's have an all-night prayer bridge to get rid of that strip club and how it's going to infect our 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 little town here, how it's going to pollute the minds of men and and uh, and, and get them to treat women like objects instead of you know, uh, beautiful people reflecting God's image and, and treat them as queens and daughters. Man, we can't have that. We can't have our young people being infected with that kind of stuff. Man, we got to pray. So let's pray all night, church. They all, we're going to pray all night. So they get there to pray. And um, and that night, lightning strikes that strip club and burns it down to the ground. So the owner of the club takes the church to court. Goes before the judge and says, I'm suing them for damages. It's their fault. As soon as I moved in, they had they had a first night, they had a prayer vigil. It's their fault. It's their prayers that caused my establishment to burn. You know what the church said? We didn't have anything to do with that. Translation, we don't believe prayer actually works. <laughs> the judge said, look, I don't know who's responsible, but I know this. The strip club owner believes in prayer and the Christians don't. 
Folks, if you call yourself a believer here today, do you really believe that your prayers can affect change? And again, don't get frustrated when, when, when you ask, you don't answer, and you seek, not keep persisting. Because there are things going on. God is growing you. God is, is slowing you. And there are, there are other powers at work that God is moving. He hears you, and he's invited you, and he's called you to pray. And so, church, let's be a praying church. Amen? I'm so grateful to be praying with these uh, folks today before the service. And I hope you pray. I hope you pray for, for our church, for our city. God will use you in a mighty way. So let's pray, and we're going to transition to our, our time of response. And if you're here, you don't know Christ, I'd love to help you. Myself, uh, some of our deacons, others, we'd love to help you at the front. You can check in on your connection card. I'm, I'm interested in knowing about Christ. We'd love to help you get connected. And so let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Their heads bowed, our eyes closed. Nobody bothering their neighbors. You're here today, and maybe you, you are. You're like, I got religion, but I don't have relationship. You don't know Christ personally. You know that that was God speaking to you. Then I want to say this to you. If you're ready to cross the line, you're ready to turn from your sin and repent and trust Jesus, would you have a little prayer with God right there in your seat? And there are no magic words. Prayer is simply a conversation. So you might say something like this. and You could repeat after me in, in the quietness of your heart there. You might want to say something like this. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I admit that I have sinned against you. I admit I've sinned against you. I admit that I've done wrong. But God, I'm coming home. God, I'm coming home. I'm turning from my sin right now. Turning from my sin. And I'm trusting as you as best I know how. I'm trusting in you as best I know how. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I believe that you rose again to prove who you are. I believe that you rose again to prove who you are. And so help me now, Jesus, to follow you all the days of my life. Help me now, Jesus. If that's you again, I'd ask you to check your connection card there or let us know up front or let the person that you came with today, they're a member of Plaza, man, you could just tap them and be like, hey, and I prayed to receive Christ today. We'd love to help you just take your next steps. Nobody wants to call you out or anything like that. You're a child of God. We want to celebrate that. We want to make sure that a child of God is, is in a family. There are no orphans in God's kingdom. So that's all. We just want to help you. And so if you'd help us, let somebody know today, and you can grow in your faith. So, Father, as we come, Lord, help me, help us to realize, God, you do answer prayers. But you've all just called, you also called us to persist, to keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. So, Father, forgive us when we are faint at heart. When we pray one time, we're like, oh, maybe something will happen. God, give us grit when it comes to praying for our children, for our grandchildren. God, give us grit when it comes to praying over our, our city, over our neighborhood, over our families, Lord, over our nation, over this world, God, a globe filled with people that you love, that left and right are attacked by Satan and discouraged. God, this is the mission you've called us on. And some of us, we may not feel like we can participate in the mission because of our health or because of our situation. And you have said, no, you get to be a conduit of my grace by praying. 
You can pray rain down from wherever you are in your seat, in your home. You can pray rain down. So God, increase our faith. Increase my faith, I pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Let's stand together. We'll be here at the front to help you.